1838. 14-year-old urchin Edward Jones disguises a chimney sweep, breaks into Buckingham Palace. He's caught, chased away, and arrested by the police, but not before stealing a regimental sword. And when the bobbies apprehend him, he has Queen Victoria's knickers stuffed down his pants. So I have just one question. Why, 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 why is this not a movie? Hello and welcome to Why Is This Not a Movie, the podcast where we look at a moment in history or a book or a story we can rip from the headlines and ask Hollywood why no one's ever put it onto the big screen. I'm Mike Vago, author and regular contributor to the AV Club, and we've had some great guests in the past few weeks. We've got a few more great ones coming up, but I want to do a solo episode just to talk about this great story about an unlikely encounter between the most powerful woman in history and the teenage boy who stole her underwear. True story. So let's start with Queen Victoria. Actually, let's go further back and as briefly as we can explain how she became queen as a teenager. So we'll start with George III, the very same king of England who fought the Revolutionary War against. When George died, his eldest son, George IV, became king. He had only one child, Princess Charlotte, who died at age 21. So when George IV died, his brother William IV became king. He and Queen Adelaide had two daughters, Charlotte and Elizabeth, both of whom died as infants. He and his mistress, actress Dorothea Jordan, had ten children, but being products of an affair, they weren't eligible for the throne. So when William IV died, the next eldest son of George III was the fourth son, Prince Edward. He was also dead. But he had a teenage daughter. So in 1837, shortly after her 18th birthday, Princess Alexandrina Victoria became ruler of an empire that spanned six continents, and she couldn't keep a 14-year-old boy from breaking into her castle. That boy, Edward Jones, was the son of a tailor. Although he didn't go into the family business, he worked as a builder. He frequently boasted to his boss he was going to break into Buckingham Palace, and it's likely no one believed him until he actually did it. Despite being caught, and despite having stolen the sword and the underwear, he was acquitted by the jury who probably saw it as a childhood prank. The newspapers had a field day with the tale of the boy Jones getting his hands on the young queen's unmentionables. Two years later, the boy came back. By this point, Victoria was married to Prince Albert and had just given birth to her first daughter, also named Victoria. Nine days after the baby was born, Jones scaled the palace wall, got into the palace, and left without being caught. A month later, he broke in again. Baroness Lezen, who had been Victoria's governess when she was young and was still a trusted friend and advisor, found the boy hiding under a couch in the queen's dressing room. He was arrested. This time he was sent to jail for three months. The public and the media found the boy's antics less delightful, given he was creeping around an infant and a new mother. The palace added more guards. In prison, the warden tried to convince Jones to join the Navy, where in theory he'd stay out of trouble. Instead, he decided to, wait for it, break into Buckingham Palace. Despite the additional guards, he got back into the palace without having a snack in one of the bedrooms. He got three months prison again, this time hard labor. The palace again added more guards. Shortly after his release, Jones was arrested again, this time for loitering in the vicinity of, you guessed it, Buckingham Palace. This time he wasn't given a choice in joining the Navy. He served in the HMS Warspite, the HMS Inconstant, and the HMS Harlequin. We can just pause for a moment to appreciate how great the names of British warships were back in the day. After a year, the ship Jones was serving on docked in Portsmouth, where he went AWOL and walked to London, we assume making a beeline for Buckingham Palace. Google Maps tells us that's a 72-mile walk that takes roughly 24 hours with no breaks. He was caught and sent back to his ship. Jones' story is a sad one after that point, as as an adult, he became an alcoholic and a petty thief. He eventually moved to Perth, Australia and became the town crier, changing his name to Thomas Jones to avoid his earlier infamy. He died at age 69 after drunkenly falling off a bridge. So that's the sad story of the boy Jones. Let's talk about who should make this movie after this short message. This fall on CBS, Law Doctor, saving lives, closing cases, and making your parents very, very proud. Why couldn't you be a doctor and a lawyer like your sister? Mom, the commander of the International Space Station. Still, would it kill you to take the MCAT and the LSAT at the same time, just to see what happened? She's putting the whole system on trial. The immune system. I'll allow this risky surgery, but you better be going somewhere with this, Dr. Counselor. Law Doctor. 
coming 10 o'clock Wednesday and also every other time slot this fall on CBS. Now, before we get to casting, I have a question I don't usually ask in the podcast, which is, why shouldn't this be a movie? Everyone wants to believe their idea is original and special, and I'm no exception, but this actually already was a movie. The Mudlark is a British film from 1950, starring Irene Dunn as Queen Victoria, Alec Guinness as Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli, and newcomer Andrew Ray as the boy, who here is named Wheeler for some reason. Mudlark was slang for a street urchin, and his portrayal of the Mudlark in question made Ray a big star as a child actor. That movie focuses more on Victoria's relationship with Disraeli, who wants her return to public life after years of mourning her late husband, Prince Albert. She bristles at the suggestion, but meeting the boy warms her up to the idea of interacting with the public. So, there's already another movie about the boy Jones. Is it different enough from our idea we can take another swing after 70 years? I think so. For starters, Prince Albert died 23 years after the boy Jones first broke into the palace, and the freshly crowned teenage monarch of the real-life story having to deal with a young stalker has a very different dynamic than the 40-something widow of the mudlark dealing with an intruder of the same age as her kids. So, let's go back to the who should make this movie. My first thought for a director was Stephen Frears. He directed The Queen, he's done period stuff like Dangerous Liaisons and Dirty Pretty Things, and he's done comedies like High Fidelity. But I remember his most recent film was about Queen Victoria, Victoria and Abdul, with Judy Fench and Ali Fazal. Might be too much Victoria for the poor man. There's also Lynn Ramsey, who specializes in claustrophobic films about mentally unbalanced characters like Morven Collar, When You Talk About Kevin, and You Were Never Really Here. If we really wanted to get into whatever psychology motivates the boy to break into the palace, and Victoria's perpetual fear that somebody could be sneaking around the palace at any time, Ramsey's got us covered. That might be a little dark, especially given the public at the time initially saw the boy Jones as an amusing prankster. Not saying we want to go in full-on comedy, maybe somebody with a lighter touch. So sticking with British directors, there's Paul King who cut his teeth directing Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and The Mighty Boosh before giving us two beloved Paddington films. Is that too light a touch? It might be. If we want to make a charming kids movie about the boy Jones, he might be perfect. But I've been thinking more along the lines of an art house period drama with maybe a little bit of an art sense of humor. And if you want an art sense of humor, there's no one better to call than King's Dark Place and Boosh collaborator Richard Ayoade. Ayoade is best known as Moss in the IT crowd, and he's a terrific deadpan comic actor. But he's also written and directed two independent films, 2010's Submarine and 2013 Dostoevsky adaptation The Double. Both films were surprisingly serious and psychological, given Ayoade's comedy background, and Submarine in particular seems like a good preparation for our movie. It's about an antisocial young man who spends a lot of time sneaking around to spy on people, namely his parents whose marriage he suspects is falling apart, and the girl he has an on-again, off-again relationship with. And while Ayoade is a household name on British TV, he's still an indie film director, and that's just what our small-scale movie calls for. Now perhaps the key question, who plays the boy? Tom Holland's our go-to British teenager at the moment, but at 23, he's probably a little too old to play a 14-year-old. How about Milo Parker, who's 17, and played young Ian McKellen in Mr. Holmes, and one of the kids in Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children? I feel like a peculiar child sneaking around Victorian London should be right around his wheelhouse. Then there's Queen Victoria herself. I've yet to meet a queen Olivia Coleman couldn't play, and if we were looking in on Victoria later in life, she'd definitely be the frontrunner. But Victoria's 19 when the boy first breaks in, so we want someone... Actually, now we do want someone Tom Holland's age, but I'm not sure even he's got quite that much range. Millie Bobby Brown is English and great in everything, and I always suggest Stranger Things cast for this show, but somehow she's still only 16. How is that possible? Too young to play a queen who just had a child the second time the boy breaks in. Daisy Ridley's a possibility. I can see her as both regal and being unsure of herself. But she's 28, and I think we need to think someone a little younger. We really want to underscore that this Victoria is very young and very new to the monarchy. We want somebody who doesn't feel all that much older than the boy. So i on Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. She's 23, she's a terrific actress. Well, the whole point of her character on the Thrones was she was the rough-and-tumble murder machine and not a princess. I think it'd be fun for her to play Regal as a change. But she can still be playful, steely, and insecure by turns, which is what I want from her teenage Victoria. Now, who else is even in this movie? There's Victoria's former governor, Baron Lezen. She was a huge influence on Victoria's life. As her father died before her first birthday, her mother didn't get along with the royal family and raised Victoria largely in isolation. 
but at the same time as clear for an early age she was likely to inherit the throne, she was also given strict instruction in anything and everything that might prepare her to rule. By the time the story starts, Victoria and Baron Lesnar have still been incredibly close. But by the second break-in, Victoria's married to Prince Albert. Albert and the Baroness couldn't stand each other, and he eventually had her sent away, albeit with a generous pension. So that's the household the boy's breaking into. It might also be worth mentioning that while Victoria got a lot of sympathy after the second breaking for being a new mother, she hated being pregnant, was disgusted with breastfeeding, thought newborns were ugly, which somehow didn't stop her and Albert from having nine children, but it's an amusing twist that the rest of the country was so protective of Victoria's newborn baby, but she herself wasn't all that attached. So back to casting. We need a Baroness and we need a Prince Albert. The Baroness is in her mid-50s at the time of the break-in. She walks the line between being an aristocrat and a servant, and she has to be severe and protective of the young queen, but also seems to have been the warmest maternal figure in Victoria's life. Like Prince Albert, Victoria's mother, and a lot of people connected to the English crown around this time, the Baroness is German, which leads, me, which leads me to Natasha Kinski, who's been a mainstay of independent films from Paris, Texas, to your friends and neighbors to Inland Empire. However, she's only done one film since Empire, which is 2006, and that was Sugar in 2013. I can't find anything definitive on whether Kinski's retired from acting or just choosy about her roles. If we can't coax her to sign on to our imaginary movie, I'd happily settle for Julia Panache. While she's obviously not German, I think she can give us the elegance of someone who works in the palace and the vulnerability of someone who understands she serves only at the Queen's whim, which of course comes to the form Prince Albert fires her. And that right there, I think, is the crux of our movie. Every story, or every good one anyway, has a plot on the surface that's the obvious sort of what happened and when. But then underneath that has the story, the real emotional heft of what's happening and why we should care about these people. And I think the emotional heft here is that, like, yes, this kid keeps breaking into the palace, and it's unnerving the young queen, and she's surrounded by people, namely her longtime governess and caregiver and her new husband, who are both protective of her and want to sort of keep her sane and feeling safe while this is going on and have different ways of going about it and have this power struggle. They can't be too overt or too vicious because they both want Victoria to be reassured that they're there for her and not causing trouble by being into these throats. So who's our Prince Albert? He was also German. He was just 20 when he married his cousin Victoria and 21 at the time of the second break-in. So I think this is where we put Tom Holland. Although he's not German necessarily, but in his early years as Prince Consort, Albert was frustrated having no real power or responsibility. And a young man being thrust into a position of power and trying to assert himself against more seasoned adults, that's something Holland did very well in the Avengers movies. And I think he'd do well here in a more, I don't know, I guess a more highbrow setting. I don't really think big budget crowd pleasers any less of movies than independent dramas. And Holland's Spider-Man movies are fantastic and he's great in them. But this would still be a fun change of pace for somebody who's just known for blockbusters. The same would be fun to have Maisie Williams play a queen who doesn't have to like murder ice zombies in her spare time. So that's our movie. If you have any thoughts about our movie about the boy Jones or ideas for other movies that need to get made, hit us up on Twitter at YMovie. You can find my column wiki Wormhole in the AV Club every Sunday. You can hear my weekly radio show, more great music, and other lesser podcasts on subjectmedia.org. Stay safe out there, wear a mask, wash your hands, keep yourself sane. And we'll be back next time on... Not a move.